Look what Father David lent me. It is a handheld manual pump action camping coffee maker. Now my idea of camping is sleeping with my window open in my own room. <laughs> but I'm gonna try this out. See, I just hand pump this thing with a little cup here. Look at that. And you got yourself a nice little cup of coffee. Wow. But now it's all gone. That's why I have myself a bigger cup of coffee. Always have a backup. My name's Father Allen, and welcome to Sipping on the Sun. Well, that was fun. So where, where were you when the lights went out? I mean, where were you when Facebook went offline earlier this week for about seven hours? And how were you with that? Were you perplexed? Were you shocked? Were you astonished? Were you sad? Well, if that's the case, well then, you, like me, are in pretty good company with a few of the characters in today's uh, gospel. The gospel today is challenging. And right away, we think of the quote from the second reading we have today from Hebrews, how God's word is living it's active, it pierces the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And I believe the Lord really wants to pierce the thoughts and intentions of our heart, particularly as we look at the three parts to this gospel. I'm very happy that there are three parts to this gospel, as you can well appreciate. Uh, the rich young man, the eye, the needle, and the camel, and Peter's proclamation of how much stuff and things he has given up to follow uh, Jesus. All three parts have to do with eternal life. And as I was meditating on the gospel and thinking about this question of eternal life, I was also thinking about Father Bob Bedard. This past week, we marked the 10th anniversary of his death. And Father Bob Bedard, in his own way, was a rich young man. He grew up here in Ottawa in the Glebe. Blessed Sacrament was his home parish. And when Father Bob was approaching the end of his high school studies, he wanted to go to be a dentist. One night, he attended a parish mission with his father, given by a Redemptorist priest. And the Redemptorist priest defined eternity as the following. You take a solid steel sphere the size of the earth and a little hummingbird. And once every hundred years, the wings of that hummingbird would just rub up against that solid steel sphere the size of the earth. And by the time the friction from that hummingbird's wing wore that sphere down to a speck of dust, eternity would only begin. And the preacher asked the question, the question that Jesus asked in Mark's Gospel, it's Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his immortal soul? And Father Bob testifies that at that moment he had an awakening, an epiphany. Why do I want to be a dentist? There's more profound ways that I can spend my life in response to the Lord's call. And he felt particularly in his heart the Lord's call for him to go to the seminary and to be a priest. No offense to dentists, we need good dentists, but that was not the Lord's call for Father Bob's life. Interestingly enough, later on in his priestly ministry, Father Bob received the gift of healing from the Lord to help people heal their teeth problems. 
See, God's not going to be outdone in generosity. God also has a very profound sense of humor. And Father Bob also tells us that he felt much like Solomon. In our first reading today from Wisdom, Solomon who becomes king, he does not ask for riches and honor and power and status. Instead, he asks for wisdom and understanding. The reading says, I prayed, I being Solomon, I prayed and understanding and wisdom came to me. So the one thing that Father Bob needed to do with God's wisdom and his understanding was to surrender. Surrender his particular plan for his life and to follow the Lord's plan for his life. So what is the one thing, and that's the title of this reflection today, the one thing. What is that one thing that we have heard the Lord calling us to do or to surrender and perhaps we are hesitating. Perhaps we can see in the example of the rich young man or the merchant with the camel trying to get through the eye of the needle or even Peter's own proclamation, parts of ourself. So let's take a look at each of these three and see, you know, where are we perplexed? Where are we shocked? Where are we astonished? Where are we sad? Like the individuals in today's gospel. So we start with the rich young man. He had an emotional day. He starts out excited, then he becomes shocked, and he ends being very sad. The gospel says a man ran up and knelt before Jesus. The rich, the wealthy, come and kneel before the penniless. Rather dramatic way to make your entrance onto the stage. And he asks again in a very dramatic way of the Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you think about that for a moment. To inherit something means that we are in the will. So this man did not have the capacity to understand that he was a beloved son of the Father and that Jesus was indeed God, the Word made flesh, come amongst us in our midst, going to the cross to die. Remember last week I said that Jesus from now on is transitioning. He's now on his way to uh, Jerusalem. So the man was worried. Am I in the will or not? We don't need to worry if we're in the will or not. You and I are beloved daughters and sons of God, our Father who loves us, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. We have the promise of the inheritance of eternal life. In dramatic fashion, he says about the commandments that Jesus mentions that he is to follow. Well, I've done all those. Like I have done all those since my youth. So you recognize some self-reliance in his response. And the commandments that Jesus mentions, except for the fourth one, to honor your father and mother, are negatives. So thou shalt not. But following Jesus is not just about what we have not done. It is more specifically about what we have done. In other words, respectability is not enough. It's not the goal to go to heaven with hands lily white and pure and perfect. We should go to heaven with our arms filled with uh, the harvest, the, the, the work that the Lord has for us, and our hands calloused and, and bruised and banged up from work, working in the Lord's vineyard. 
He was shocked, scripture says. He was shocked and he went away sad. So he who had everything was unwilling to let go of anything freely. So it could, you can see in the spiritual life, the way that we gain things is when we let go of, of things. And I like to compare different Bible translations, and I went to the New Jerusalem translation of this excerpt from Mark chapter 10. And this is verse 21. It says that Jesus looked steadily at him. This, this consistent, persistent, unerring, unchanging, just look at him. As though nothing else, nobody else mattered or was around to distract him. Jesus looked steadily at him. Imagine what that was like. What's it like when someone looks steadily at us, right? Maybe we want to kind of avert our eyes or think like, oh, what are they thinking, right? So Jesus looked steadily at him, clearly, directly, attentively, as he wishes to do and does with each of us. Have I experienced the steady look of the Lord Jesus in my life? Maybe at the elevations of Mass, or maybe at the time of adoration of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So what is the one thing in response to the story of the rich young man, one thing that the Lord might be calling us to, that would be to let Jesus look at us with love. Let Jesus tell us that we belong to him. Let Jesus tell us that we are in our Father's will. And we don't have to worry about are we going to or can we inherit eternal life. But yes, when I live my life in conformity with Jesus and accept him as the Lord and Savior of my life and give the Lord permission to stir up in me all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he has blessed me with in confirmation, baptism, and other spiritual times of retreat, etc. in my life, then yes, I have the promise. I have a promise of eternal life because I'm in the will. Secondly, you got the camel and the eye of the needle. Thank goodness for a big coffee. <laughs> it is possible for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. The Lord is not saying in today's gospel, the rich will not or cannot or could never enter the kingdom of God. It is possible. The Lord just says how hard it will be. The church is not against personal property, private wealth. In the gospel acclamation, we said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, it is possible to be poor materially, financially, but not be poor in spirit. Because you're living in resentment and jealousy, suspicion and, and conflict, etc. It is possible to be rich and to be poor in spirit. Because this poverty of spirit has to do with gratitude, reliance, generosity, uh, giving thanks where and to whom it is due. That everything we have is a gift from the Lord. Now, we need to understand this part of Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, in context. So again, the Lord speaks about a camel going through the eye of the needle. I think, well, okay, like eye of the needle, right? Sewing needle and kind of, I can't even get thread like through the <laughs> eye of a needle. Most times, how am I going to get a camel through the eye of a needle? Well, the eye of the needle 
was a, a small door uh, in the main city gate. And if a merchant came along after hours, when the main gate was closed, in order to get in, they'd open a small little door called the eye of the needle. Now, try to picture this. The camel's coming along, it's packed up with all kinds of stuff. You gotta take all the stuff off the camel, try to cajole, convince, push <laughs> this camel through this little eye of the needle, and then drag all your stuff in through the eye of the needle and pack up the camel again. It's a pain in the you-know-what, right? It is possible, it's hard, it's difficult. So we, we ourselves, you know, hear that, are there too many camels in Ottawa or eyes in the needle in Ottawa, you know? But on a, on a deeper level, I think what the Lord was getting at with the people and perhaps with you and me is that we do not subscribe to the prosperity gospel. Now, at the time of Jesus, the Jews did subscribe to that. They equated property, fortune, and signs of, of God's approval with their, their wealth and their accumulations, that they were somehow now good with God. So, again, asking the question, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that the Lord may be calling us to do in imitation of this story, maybe we need to get rid of one camel. <laughs> or maybe we need to get rid of two camels, right? How many camels do we need to carry around all of our stuff? And will I pray for the spirit of detachment from all of my stuff, right? Father Dave Berger has a spirit of detachment. He lets me, he lets me use his little coffee makers, and as long as I give him credit, <laughs> he enjoys being mentioned in these videos. Um, but this spirit of, of detachment, how am I when people ask to use my stuff, right? Am I possessive of my things or am I generous uh, with my things? And finally, let's look at uh, Peter's sacrifice that he made to follow Jesus. Peter is basically living in the past. He says to the Lord, we have left everything and followed you. And I wonder, you know, in that statement, is there any resentment? Is there any sadness, second-guessing here, you know, rather than what was gained as a decision of letting go of these things and following Jesus? Peter did think, you know, it would be easier now that I've left all these things, now that I'm saying yes to Jesus, life is somehow going to be a lot freer a lot more peaceful, but the reality is, no. What does the Lord say? He says there will be persecutions. Why? Because this ain't heaven. We're on the way to heaven, but life is still hard. Surrendering your life to Jesus does not guarantee that life will always be easy. It doesn't mean things are always going to go the way we want them to go. There'll still be trials and difficulties, but we take to the bank the promise that the Lord would never abandon us. The two most personal words in scripture, I believe, are follow me. And before Jesus said these words to the rich young man in today's gospel, but he couldn't let go of all of his stuff, he had so many possessions, the gospel says, he went away sad. Jesus said those words to Peter and to the disciples. 
And I believe that the Lord is also saying those words to us today on a personal level as he looks at us, as he looks steadily at us. God created heaven and earth, all the creatures, day and night, all the stars, etc. And in Genesis, this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, after God created you and me in his image and likeness, the scripture says, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. When the Lord looks upon you and me, he sees that we are indeed very good. So what is the one thing? The one thing that perhaps the Lord is inviting us to respond, again, in light of Peter's own proclamation of how much he gave up, well, maybe we need to rejoice on what God has offered us, what God is giving us, what God is doing for us right now, instead of focusing on all that we've given up in order to follow him. Again, going to the New Jerusalem translation, the Lord Jesus says to the rich young man, you need to do one more thing. So what is this one more thing that the Lord is calling us to do or to stop doing in your life and in mine? Do we appreciate that his invitation really is about experiencing freedom? It's not that the Lord wants to ruin our life or destroy our fun, but he wants us to experience more of his freedom. It's all about freedom in the Lord. And more of our contemporaries could discover that. We'd be living in a different world. The freedom of the Lord. What would I find hard to surrender? What am I afraid it might be that the Lord's asking? What comes immediately to mind? What am I hoping that definitely is not? <laughs> in terms of what the Lord might be asking me, that, that one thing, right? And as I'm considering this, am I perplexed? Am I astonished? Am I sad? Am I shocked? What's going on in my life? The Lord in the gospel today says that he was setting out on a journey. As Jesus was setting out on a journey. And we're on the journey of life. It's the journey of life to eternal life. And the Lord today wants us to know that he is with us. He meets us where we're at. He looks at us. He loves us. And he says to you and to me, it's just one thing. It's just one thing. And let's do this together. So let's pray. So, Jesus, we do thank you for uh, the gift of today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way that you have spoken to our hearts here today. Even though, Lord, we find this word challenging, it does pierce our hearts. Lord Jesus, we have heard you, Jesus, and we want to respond to this word, Lord. And so we ask you, Lord Jesus, that right now you would reveal to us what is that one thing? What is that one thing that you are asking us to do or to stop doing so that we can grow closer to you, 
we can be more available to the mission that you have for us. We can be of greater service to our brothers and sisters, especially to the poor, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would stir up on our hearts uh, the spirit of poverty, that we would come to experience and know what it means to be, Lord Jesus, poor in spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your generosity, your providence, your love, and your mercy, Lord. And so, Lord Jesus, we do want to become saints, we want to grow in holiness. Help us to understand, Lord, that your call is about freedom. Pray especially, Lord Jesus, for that one person listening today who is not living in freedom, who's living in bondage, living in fear, anxiety, sadness. They are perplexed. They're shocked. They're like the rich young man, Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn to let go and to let you. Let go and let God and your God, Jesus. Continue to pray, Lord, for those who find this time of pandemic difficult. That you would send them, Lord Jesus, the people they need, the resources they need, the spiritual life that you offer them, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for the way in which you are calling your people back to yourself. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way that your people are indeed coming back to church. May they find their already welcome, Jesus. May they find in the ministry of the priests, the ministry of the sacraments, the ministry of the people, an opportunity, Lord, to really, really feel your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. So, Lord Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you in advance for what you want to do with us and for us, even before we know what it is. Mother Mary and St. Joseph, please pray for us. Amen. Okay, there we go. God bless you. Enjoy your days there. We'll see you again here next weekend for Sipping on the Sabbath. Remember that when we're powerless, that's when we're strong, and victory is indeed gained through surrender. Bye-bye. <laughs>